are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 7th of June. The Jazz and the Clippers are set. It's an awesome series. The Clippers are terrific. We'll dig into how good they are. We'll look at matchups of game one and three during the regular season. And by the time this is done, you will have news, nuggets, and pieces of information that nobody else will have. It's all coming up on Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. It is on. It is Jazz Clippers. We know what we've got. It's going to be epic. It's an incredible matchup of really what were the two best regular season teams in the NBA, uh, and we'll break it down. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store. Find one of our Locker Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. This, here's the plan on the show. We'll break down the matchup, give you a few nuggets on the Clippers. Uh, Then we'll look at match game one and game three that we played against in game two. No Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, no Mike Conley. And so that uh, we're not going to look at. Uh, I don't have an update on the Mike Conley injury. It's obviously vital uh, that he plays. The track record has been, you know, 14 days. Anytime he gets that hamstring twinge, he hasn't played five games in a row um, all year since this year, since he's had that hamstring injury. It's it's hard for me to get optimistic um, I'll be rather be pleasantly surprised here than being optimistic that he's suddenly going to practice and play. But you know what? This is the closest chance <clears throat> to a championship that any of these guys are ever going to have. So I'm pretty certain the right decisions are going to get made. You don't want to risk someone's health, but if it's possible to get out there. Uh, and I cannot tell you, I cannot tell you, though I will try to, as the show goes on, explain how vital Mike Conley is to this series. All right, let's set up this matchup. It's pretty great. Uh, the Jazz, and let me get one thing established. There's going to be a lot of Clipper praise here. It is not in lieu of Jazz praise, right? Like if I praise the Clippers, it is not in lieu of Jazz praise. The Jazz were the best team in the NBA all season. The Clippers were the best statistical team in the NBA all season if you dug inside the numbers. When I ran the numbers to start the playoffs, the Clippers are the best team in the NBA. If I was picking on cl- on numbers only and no emotion, I would just pick the Clippers to win it. I think I would probably pick the Nets, but it would be Nets Clippers would be my finals when the season started if you dug inside the numbers. So you went a little deeper than just season long numbers and when you look at the Clippers, you have to remember, you know, Paul George Kawhi Leonard played 52 games. Paul George played 54. Marcus Morris played 57. That's their key guys. They got rid of Lou Williams during the season. They've been bouncing around with a bunch of different things. Serge Ibaka, you know, I don't know if we're going to see him. He hasn't been a large part of it. Um, They've circled back to Luke Kennard. Like, there's a bunch of different things where this team is so deep and it's evolved in here. So we'll we'll dig into it. But this matchup's amazing. Here's the, the matchup. It's the number one Differential team in the NBA versus the number two differential team in the NBA. The Jazz were 11.2, Clippers 6.8. All these numbers are cleaning the glass, which takes out blowout time. It's the number three offense in the Jazz and the number four offense in the Clippers. It's the number one defense in the Jazz, the number nine defense in the Clippers. 
That defense gets better in some circumstances and, interestingly enough, gets worse in others when you dig in. Uh, Here's the matchup. Like, this is crazy. When the Clippers have the ball, it is the number two half-court offense in the NBA against the number one half-court defense. When the Jazz have the ball, it's the number five half-court offense against the number 13 half-court defense. It is the number one percentage three-point shooting team in the Clippers, the number three in the Jazz. It is the number two three-point shooting defense in the Jazz and the number eight three-point shooting defense in the Clippers. Um, It's really just a third-best shooting team versus second-best shooting team. It's just an incredible, incredible matchup. When you look at the four factors, the four factors are what you shoot, whether you turn it over, whether you rebound, whether you foul. And you look at them both offensively and defensively. And these teams are above average in every category other than the Jazz turn it over a little more than average and don't force turnovers. And the Clippers don't force turnovers. That's Those are the two. The, otherwise, every, the Clippers are top 10 in most categories and the Jazz are top 10 in every category other than the turnover categories. These are two elite, awesome, fabulous basketball teams. It is an incredible matchup. The Clippers are better than their numbers. When Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are on the floor together, the Clippers are plus 18.1 in the 99th percentile offensively and the 94th percentile defensively. Okay? I mean, that is elite special stuff right there. The Jazz are are good and had the best differential in the league. And when we have, you know... Basically, our numbers are good when we put Rudy on the floor, right? If we put Donovan and Rudy on the floor, which really means, for all intents and purposes, Mike is on the floor also, our offensive rating is a plus 13.4, 87th percentile offensively, 96th percentile defensively. So not quite to their 18.1. They will play Kawhi and Paul George together almost the entire game at this point. They are. They ran out Kawhi Leonard for 42 minutes last night. Paul George for 46 the other night. They had limited time where one of them was off the floor um, last night in Game 7. Interestingly, it's actually where they went on their runs. The key part of me of that game, actually, was an 11-2 run by the Clippers in the early second quarter. PG got going. He scored 13 in the second quarter. And they went on an 11-2 run early in that second quarter to take the lead, uh, Kawhi went out of the game with them trailing and they were able to survive it. But during the season, they're plus five when Kawhi's on, no PG, and they're only plus 2.4 when PG's up. But here's the real change that's taking place by the Clippers when you start to dig into the numbers, and it will be really interesting to see whether they do this against the Utah Jazz. The expectation would be yes. And that is, they have built a small roster. They can do, this roster is built by Lawrence Frank and the crew to do everything. They have Ibaka as their big lumbering big, excuse me, Zubak as their big lumbering big, could play a drop big and protect the rim. They have Serge Ibaka, if he's healthy, that can play their stretch five. And they now have Marcus Morris playing a small ball five for most of the minutes. Morris played 30 minutes the other night He got in foul trouble in the first quarter, and then they actually didn't go, interestingly and kind of crazy or scary for us, I think, they didn't go to Zubak. They then went to Terrence Mann and played a lineup of Kawhi Leonard, Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, Paul George, and Terrence Mann 
I don't actually know who the center is. It's either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George at that point. So they have started to go small and play with that lineup. And it's it's makes them really potent. When they have a lineup during the regular season that does, is just small. And I define small by no Zubak, no DeMarcus Cousins, um, and no Serge Ibaka. Okay, so, uh, and I probably should take Cobb Gali, who's no longer on the team out, but no defined center uh, in the game for them. They, for the regular season, in non-blowout minutes, were plus 10.1. All right, here's the scary number. The offense was a 127 offensive rating when they're small. Their effective field goal percentage was a 58%. Now you take the next step and say, well, what are they small when they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the floor? So Paul, they now have their Kawhi Leonard, Paul George on the floor, and they don't have any of their centers. They're now a plus 17.2. Their offensive rating is an unfathomable 132. Their effective field goal percentage is 60%. Their defense is is not great. 33rd percentile. Their defense when they're just small is in the 18th percentile. What they have done against Dallas, and these are regular season numbers, not playoff numbers. When the, What they have done, and in the playoffs, that no, that lineup was a plus 15 with a 129 offensive rating and the same thing, 113 defense. This, this, is, the new, this is the new Clippers. A team, and they were built for this. They, and they did this to us in the third matchup against them this year. They went to this small lineup with Marcus Morris. They spread the floor. They closed with Morris, Patrick Beverly, Nicholas Batum, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Marcus Morris. They went on a 13-2 run to blow the game out in the fourth quarter and ended up beating us 116-112 because we rallied back. But they really won the game with this exact small lineup. So we should expect to see it. And this changes who they are. Reggie Jackson, here's an interesting note for you. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, they went small with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George on the floor, and none of those centers for 354 possessions. In the regular season this year, they'd only done it for 302. This is who they are. There's one of your little nuggets. They actually played more small possessions in the series against Dallas than they did in the entire regular season. This is a completely different team. And their offensive rating during the regular season when they have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George on the floor, and no center is a 132. And in the playoffs, it was a 129. Incredible numbers. Like 120s out of this world. And who do we, how do we guard? Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, Rudy's guarding Morris who's spread out, I think we have to go zone. Kawhi Leonard's being guarded by Boyan. Paul George being guarded by Royce. Vice versa. Donovan's got Reggie Jackson. Joe Ingles got Nicholas Batum. It's tough. So they're loaded. Let's dig in. That, that This will be the toughest task 
Uh, you know what? I mean, Phoenix is great. So if we have to play Phoenix, that's going to be equally as tough task. This is what it's about. Like, if you're going to get through these things, it's an incredible task and work and effort to get this done. All right. The, the Let's look at games one and games three during the regular season. There's some incredible contrast. There's some amazing difference between the two games. And we'll look at what it tells us for the upcoming series. And then we'll look at some of the matchups and some of the pick and roll numbers and some of that. Jazz and the Clippers, all set Tuesday, 8 o'clock. Radio, local radio broadcast is the only one. Uh, Ron Boone and I will be on the call, so make sure you get sync it up and, and be there with us. Uh, today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy, located in Woods Cross as well as in Logan. The great Chevy lineup of trucks. There aren't many things as outstanding and consistent as the Silverado 2021, <clears throat> the Colorado, the Chevy trucks are the best on the market, and then an awesome SUV lineup as well with the Equinox, uh, the Traverse is the bigger of those, and then the Blazer and the Trailblazer, 0% for 72 months on popular 2021 SUVs when you finance with GM Financial. It's all at Murdoch Chevy. Woods Cross, and in Logan, stop by. Feel free to email us first, and we'll set you up with a meeting. Today's show is also brought to you by Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company, and you it's overwhelming, and you need a job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview, all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your do- job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications. Schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed's Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skill tests and then add your must-have requirements and you get... The talent you need. In fact, according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. And right now, get started with a free $75 sponsor job credit to upgrade your post at Indeed. Go to Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Locked on today's got a great matchup of set of uh, storylines: the Hawks and their win, run through on the Clippers and their win, uh, all the and then the huge Julio Jones trade. So go to Locked On today and catch that. All right, let's look at the matchups. Uh, here's some of the most interesting. I told you I'd give you some takeaways that you wouldn't get anywhere else. In game one, Jan- so January 1st, we play them. The Jazz win 106-100. We hit them early. Bunch of threes. Hit 15 threes. Have 28 assists. Have a pretty good game. Game two, no Kawhi, no Paul George. We crush them in LA. We play them again two nights later, and they beat us 116-112. That's the game where they go small. They go on a 13-2 run. Our bench unit's actually not good. Um, we only hit 12 threes that game. We only get 34 off instead of our 42 off. 
Um, our offensive rating actually comes out about the same. We're not quite as good defensively, and we lose. But there's some really interesting things that happened here between game one and game two. Game one against the Clippers is the most passes that we threw in any game all year. Game three against the Clippers is the least passes we threw in any game all year. And I'm not sure how I feel about this, but in game three against the Clippers, it is the worst shot quality we had in any game all year, and we only lost by four. Kind of encouraging. There's no chance we'll have as bad a shot quality against them, I would think, with Quinn Snyder and his staff having time to game plan. We'll we'll come up with better answers on that. We did not offensive rebound in that game. We only had 11% offensive rebounds, and we only threw 234 passes. We took 27 floaters, which is an awful lot. We don't make those shots. We made them at 44%, which is high. Um, They got us into the floater zone in both games, which is not great. Um, We ended up having our our shot distribution against the Clippers was a little less than what you'd want. In our first matchup against the Clippers, we took, you know, you want rim shots and you want threes, right? For those of you that are new to some of these numbers. So in our first matchup against the Clippers, we took 27 shots at the rim and we took 15 corner threes and we took 27 above the break three. So again, your number one shot you want is at the rim. Your number two shot you want is a corner three and your number three shot you want is an above the break three. Okay, so 27, 15, 27. In our second matchup against the Clippers, we took 14 shots at the rim. We went from 27 shots at the rim in our first matchup against them to 14. We went from taking 15 corner threes to taking seven, and we took the exact same amount of above the break threes. So we moved 21 shots from good efficient areas to inefficient areas in that second matchup against the Clippers with what they did defensively. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. I will watch it. I watched half of game one today. I just did not have time. I was at the Mark Eaton celebration of life last night, which was fabulous. John Stockton was the master of ceremonies and did an, kind of led it through. It was amazing, really emotional. Mark's daughter spoke, was amazing. Uh, Mark's One of Mark's granddaughters spoke and was amazing. Carl and John and Thurl sang and... Um, a lot of pain for a lot of people over the last 10 days um, involving involving Mark uh, and his passing. And it was it was a wonderful event to, to see people try to be bond together and, and to heal a little bit. So anyway, side note, that's why I did not get that done. Um, so really incredible. Like, all right, so what happened? I'm not entirely sure because I haven't watched it. The easy answer is the Clippers came out and switched everything. They did. They definitely played drop big in the first game. And Ibaka's dropping and Zubak's dropping. And Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert are murdering them on the pick and roll. I mean, murdering them. It's incredible watching it. Mike Conley was insane in that game. He finished with 33. Seven assists, 11 of 20 shooting. I mean, he he annihilates them. I, I don't know how what else to tell you. I, I I don't know the numbers. Um, I would guess they averaged like a, a bucket every pick and roll. Like, incredible. 
Um, and if they missed a shot, then they hit a three on the next one. So the Conley Gobert pick and roll was just incredible in that game. They did get the Jazz into some isolation, and you know we're just not a great isolation team. And when they get us into isolation, that's not a great matchup for us. So the January first game, when we played pick and roll, we had our way, and we got into about ninety picks and had some success in dribble handoffs, isolation, some of the other stuff. They blew us up. We we didn't get stuff done. We ran over a hundred picks a game against Memphis. Like we just became. Pick and roll team, here we come. But in that game, we clearly swung it. We got our threes, um, and we got going. In the next matchup, it's pretty interesting because if you dig into it, so we don't move the ball at all, and they take away the rim, and we don't get rim shots. I've got to go back, and I haven't watched it. it and statistically, it doesn't make a great deal of sense. We, we run fewer picks. They got us out of the pick and roll game. We got down from, you know, about the, the 100 picks we want to run uh, down to 90. Which, But our pick and roll is still super successful. And when they switched the pick and roll, it was still super successful. Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert were really good. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were great. The Clippers did get out for 12 transition possessions in that game, which is important. We've The Clippers do not, this is a huge part of this matchup. And that is the Clippers don't naturally run. The Clippers play, it's another nugget for you. The Clippers play only 13% of their possessions in transition. It's about 23rd in the league. They play 82% of their possessions in the half court, which is high. So their natural instinct is to get into the half court, not to run, not to play transition. And then we get to set up our number one defense in the league and Rudy gets to have his impact even though these guys are perfectly comfortable taking mid-range shots. In the January 1st game, the Clippers end up with 10 transition opportunities and three transition threes. And in this February 19th game, they end up with 11 transition, 12 transition opportunities and they score almost on every single one of them. They average about 1.9 points. The other In the previous game, we got back in transition. They didn't score. That's huge. If we can get them out of transition and keep them in the half court, they're going to score in the mid-range. They're going to do their thing but because they're offensively great. But And we just talked about when they go small, how great they are. But it's still something, you know, we forced them into, we forced them into 21 floaters in each of the two games that we're counting. One game they shot, floater I'm calling is non-paint, non-restricted zone, paint non-restricted zone shots. So they don't get to the rim. They take a shot before that's a low percentage shot. They shot 29% in the first matchup. They shot 38% in the second of the games that matter. So as much as their mid-range prowess, and you're going to hear all about it, and they're not bad at it, but it's still, you know what, we're fine with it. What we want to do in this series is get out, get early, get those threes up like we did in game one against them, the 40 five threes instead of 42 threes instead of 34 play it early. We only had 13 assists in game two because we just didn't pass the ball. We literally threw 150 fewer passes in the second matchup against them than we did the first. It's an incredible number. And in turn, we had the worst shot quality we've had all season long. All right, let's get into the individual matchups. What those look like, uh, 
and have those for you. The road to the NBA Finals is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoyed it. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more. Who guarded Kawhi Leonard best? Who guarded Donovan Mitchell best? It's super interesting. Um, it's all coming up. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar and their nine base flavors and then all their fun things. Every day I go to Built Bar and it's like, do we have anything new today? We do not. We have 100% real chocolate. We have 100% guilt-free. We have coconut almond. We have mint brownie. We have salted caramel. We have raspberry. We have peanut butter brownie. We have coconut. We have double chocolate. We have cookies and cream. And we have cherry bar. It is the Built Bar candy bar, protein bar, whatever it is, it tastes like cheating. It's absolutely fabulous with incredible macros. It's the best tasting protein bar in the market. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four net carbs, four sugars. Six fibers, 17 grams of protein. It is just amazing. If you think about it compared to a Snickers, it's 150 fewer calories. If you think it against the men's leading uh, protein bar, it's about 150 fewer calories also. The big difference, though, is it's four sugar grams instead of all of those others loaded. The big story is that, frankly, this is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and the others are protein bars that have macros like a candy bar. It's healthy and it's tasty. It's Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you get a 15% welcome bonus. That's a 15, or 15, not welcome bonus, 15% off on your order. You can mix, match, choose your flavors. It's all at BuiltBar.com. Speaking of welcome bonuses, the Jazz are minus 130 to win the series at BetOnline.ag. The Clippers are plus 110. So the Jazz, the NBA, most likely NBA final, according to the odds makers, is the Brooklyn at betonline.ag, is the Brooklyn Nets plus 265 versus the Utah Jazz versus Brooklyn Nets at plus 265. The second most likely is the Brooklyn Nets versus the LA Clippers. And the third most likely is the Brooklyn Nets versus the Phoenix Suns. Conference Futures... The Jazz are plus 130, the Clippers are plus 200, the Suns are plus 300, and the Nuggets are plus 1,000. To win the title, Brooklyn's plus 140, Jazz plus 350, Clippers plus 500. Then Milwaukee plus 700, Phoenix plus 750. So the most likely NBA final is the Dream Team Nets put together against your Utah Jazz, but the Clippers are the next one out there. Jazz are a three and a half point favorite in game one, an eight o'clock tip off. Tonight, Phoenix is a five point favorite against Denver, and Brooklyn's a point and a half favorite against Milwaukee. And Philadelphia will be a five and a half point favorite in Atlanta in game two after losing game one. Do they have, what is the, um, they have some fun ones at betonline.ag. Bradley Beal's next team have traded. CJ McCollum's next team have traded. Some fun things like that. Um, they usually have like Terry, like who the next head coach is and things like that, but they, I uh, don't see that. All right. Um, l- let's get to the matchups. So in the matchups, where are my matchup numbers? Here's what, the Jazz did against Kawhi Leonard in two games. Here's what the Jazz did against 
Paul George in two games. Royce O'Neal, when defending Kawhi Leonard, Paul, Royce, Paul, Kawhi Leonard shot 7 of 16, just 44%, 2 of 4 from 3. And guarded by, and, and most of the time, almost exclusively, was Royce O'Neal. The second guy who guarded, he guarded for 52 possessions, according to NBA.com, slash stats. Boyan Bogdanovich guarded Kawhi Leonard for 19 possessions, and Kawhi went 2 of 7. Four free throws. Joe Ingles had him at one of four. Donovan had him for a possession he scored. Mike Conley had him for a few on switches. What's interesting is when Rudy Gobert came out and guarded him, Kawhi Leonard, five of eight, probably on that mid-range jumper, when Derek Favors guarded him two of four. But Royce O'Neal and both Royce O'Neal and Boyan Bogdanovich did okay on Kawhi Leonard, who was actually not great in the regular season against the Jazz because we warped his shot chart. Paul George was guarded predominantly by Donovan Mitchell, actually, the most of any matchup. But he only took one shot in those matchups. Kind of weird. Uh, He went two of four against Joe Ingles. He went one of seven against Royce O'Neal. So our problem is Royce O'Neal cannot guard both these guys. Three of seven when guarded by Gobert. Three of five when the nearest defender was Boyan Bogdanovich, which is, so Boyan struggles with Paul George. Mike Conley, two of five. Jordan Clarkson, Derek Favors, George Niang, non-effective or non, not that impactful. So those are the most important ones. The other one that's worth looking at is Marcus Morris Sr. And what his matchups are, because he is now suddenly playing, I think, unless they change what they're doing. And what's interesting is Gobert only guarded him for about four possessions in the entire playoffs. So the Jazz must have, or the entire regular season. So in the game in which the, in the February 17th game or 19th game, where the Clippers go small late, they spread the floor out. Marcus Morris is not the one doing the damage. But, and Rudy isn't guarding him on many of those possessions. Um, but those that matchup late where they go on the 13-2 to two run is they have on the floor Marcus Morris. They have, they're have they playing Patrick Beverly, who they did not play in this last playoff, so this gets interesting. Patrick Beverly, Nicholas Batum, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Marcus Morris Sr. as their five. And in that time, that run starts. Rudy's not quite on the floor yet. When Rudy gets back on the floor, it gets equalized a little bit, but the run continues. And the lineup they have that they get after us against for the, in that is um, the run starts at the 519 mark. Rudy comes in a minute into it, and they they get after our our closing line, our starting lineup. Conley, Donovan, Royce, Boyan, and Rudy is where they take their 13-2 run. We fire back with a 16-5 run, but we fall short um, at the end of that. Here's what's interesting here. Patrick Beverly is in these matchups. Reggie Jackson has been the one guarding, and you didn't hear Reggie Jackson. You haven't heard Reggie Jackson's name much at all in these matchups. So let's flip it around and see who guarded Donovan Mitchell. Well, Patrick Donovan Mitchell in three games was guarded by Patrick Beverly for most of the time, and Donovan was only 4 of 14 against Patrick Beverly and 1 of 8 from 3. 
But Reggie Jackson, who guarded him a little bit, Donovan was two of three. Well, now this gets interesting because they've gone to Reggie Jackson over Patrick Beverly, who's not nearly as good a defensive player, might be their weak link defensively because Paul George and Kawhi Leonard certainly aren't. Nicholas Batum's not. <clears throat> and suddenly you have Donovan Mitchell might be able to go get matchups against Reggie Jackson time and time again, particularly if they're switching. So where Mike Conley's vital is you got to have Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, and Donovan Mitchell available as multiple ball handlers. So Donovan was 4 of 14 against Beverly, 2 of 4 against Paul George, 4 of 8 against Nicholas Batum, 2 of 6 against Terrence Mann, 2 of 3 against Reggie Jackson. He actually had no success against Lou Williams, and he killed Serge Ibaka. He was 6 of 10. Boyan Bogdanovich, who becomes our second scorer if Mike Conley's not available, when guarded by Kawhi Leonard, was one of three. Nicholas Batum had the matchup. He was three of seven. Serge Ibaka guarded him a good deal. He was one of five. We probably won't see that. Patrick Beverly switched onto him. He had a little bit of a tough time. And the final piece would be Mike Conley in those matchups. And whether or not what the Jet, if he's available, and Mike Conley torched them. When Paul George was guarding him, he was 3 of 5. When he got a Baca switched on, he was 3 of 5. When Reggie Jackson guarded him, he was 3 of 3 with three threes. Mike Conley torched them. What's really interesting is the Jazz had great pick and roll luck and played really, really well with the pick and roll against the Clippers in the over the course of the series. Now, you probably want to dig a little deeper and just do the two games where Kawhi Leonard and Paul George played. But if you look at the switching numbers, which the Clippers are going to do, the Jazz actually, like, small, small pick and rolls were pretty successful. Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert pick and rolls were pretty successful. Rudy Gobert on the switch was pretty successful. The Clippers, I think, are going to come out, play small, switch one through five, and the Jazz are going to have to attack it early in this series. And the numbers would tell you they did a pretty good job of that in the regular season, but the ball movement disappeared and they're going to have to be able to do it and get threes and get to the rim. So let me sum up all of these little numbers for you, all of this little data, and give you a nice little capsule to take with it. Two amazing teams. Clippers statistically are the best team in the NBA. Clippers going small have an unstoppable offense we've got to figure out. Just incredible. In the regular season, in one matchup, we threw the most passes and had, in the second matchup, we threw the least passes of any game and had our worst shot quality we've had in any game all year. The matchups get interesting because they want to go small, but they're doing it with Reggie Jackson, but Patrick Beverly's their best answer to guard Donovan Mitchell, so what do they do there? We were able to distort their shot quality and they didn't get great shot quality against us because of our half court. So we've got to keep them in the half court, keep them out. They'll make their mid-range jumpers, but it's a hard math game for them. And the last and final piece to that puzzle is that they do not naturally run so that they will stay in the half court and we get that going. And the final one is in our second matchup against them, our shot quality went to hell in a handbasket. All right, I'll have more for you tomorrow. And Brian Seaman, Clippers TV, uh, will join us as well. All coming up. It's Locked On Jazz. You can grab Locked On Clippers or go to Locked On Today right now or Locked On NBA with a recap of the night. It's all a bunch of great stuff on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in.